Hey, everybody, welcome to another edition of The Drop. Greg Wyshynski, Ardo Ocal, every Tuesday and Thursday, wherever you get your audio podcasts, as well, the NHL on ESPN YouTube. No better place to start than where the NHL stinks. And that, right now, is firmly in California with the San Jose Sharks. What a start to the year, Wish. Oh, my. I was going to say Northern California. They're like, so, SoCal's doing pretty good for themselves right now with the Duckies and the Kings. But in Northern California, the Bay Area, the stench is palpable. You thought maybe it was the sea lions on the pier up at San Francisco. No, it is the San Jose Sharks being as stinky and awful as possible and, uh, you know, doing a pretty good job of it, of being honest with you. Oh, 10 and one in their first 11 games. They're back to back losses to Vancouver and Pittsburgh by 10 plus go- allowing 10 plus goals. The first team since the Bruins in 1965 to allow 10 or more goals in consecutive games. Minus 43 goal differential is the worst through 11 games in NHL history. And oh, by the way, uh, it, for those that are tracking the most losses, in an NHL season that was also set by the Sharks in their second year in the league in 92-93. So a lot of bad right now uh, for the San Jose Sharks this season, uh, historically bad. And we couldn't think of anyone better to talk about this here on the drop than Ray Rado, uh, who works with Defector, has been covering this team, has been around this team for a very, very long time. Uh, Ray... Thanks for joining us under the best of circumstances to talk about your beloved San Jose Sharks. How are you feeling right now? Feeling great. I don't own them. I don't care. But as the lawyer for Stink, I want to talk to you guys about your cavalier use of that of that noun with these guys <laughs> as, as the as the object. They'd have to work harder to stink. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, the 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 record for the fewest wins by a team in a single NHL season, Ray, is set by the Washington Capitals in 1974-75 with eight. Um, will the Sharks finish under that total this season? That's hard to do, just because the law of big numbers tends to get in the way as the year goes on. But it is interesting since we're looking back at history that the teams that come up most often when you're talking about this team's start are the first year Quebec Bulldogs, the first year Boston Bruins, the first year Washington Caps, and the the first year Ottawa Senators. I mean, they are essentially an expansion team looking up at other expansion teams, even though they've been around for 31 years. Yeah, that's that that in in doing research for this, it was all expansion, like you said, like first year this teams that had just come into the NHL without the benefit of the you know the Golden Knights rule, so to speak. So, yeah, this is a pretty bad situation here. Let me ask you this: despite all this, even as uh, late as Saturday, we're still seeing fans show up, right? Like they're still supporting this team, they're still buying tickets, they're still in the arenas. In your opinion, if things continue like this and they just have a historically bad year, what will happen to the fan base, the attendance? Can the market survive this kind of rebuild? Well, they sold out Saturday because it was maybe Sidney Crosby's last time there. 
but the time before, but the game before that against Vancouver, they announced 10,000. Mm. So you've already seen a lot of fan erosion. You saw a lot of it last year. And they haven't been a regular sellout team for a, a decade. I think this is about where their bottom is. Um, I, if you start seeing crowds announced in four digits, then you'll know everybody's given up. But right now, they're sort of at the Earth's crust. And it is to their great fortune that their owner is one of the 100 richest men in the world and doesn't seem to mind, you know, what he's looking at or more accurately not looking at because he lives in Germany. So he's at least got the advantage of being like 7,000 miles away from this nightly nightmare. I think as long as he's around, they'll be fine. If at Mm -hmm. some point he decided to get rid of it, they could relocate anywhere. Yeah, that's true. Ray, in my time covering this great uh, sport, uh, I've noticed that there is glad bad and sad bad. Glad bad is is hapless Keystone cops like bad teams that you 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 revel in their in their ineptitude because they're fun. Uh, sad bad is kind of what I think the Sharks are, where they've got a number of guys that are veterans on big contracts. They're still there. Thomas Hurdle, who re-signed with the team, knowing that it was not going to be pretty good for a few years. Logan Couture, who's hurt. Vlasic's been there forever. Um, and, and they're just like a, a really not fun kind of bad. Um, can you find any any joy in the, in the misery of the Sharks of the season? It's still too early to really get into the schadenfreude part of their year. <laughs> but you were your your analogy is apt in saying that they're sad bad because after 11 games david quinn their hapless coach and i mean hapless as in he's been handed a burning bag of dog poop and he's got to stomp it out on his porch every morning um he said the other night we're at a very fragile state right now that's after 11 games <laughs> you're <laughs> fragile after 11 games you are looking at a room of very dispirited people. Yeah. Um, you know, fragile is not a word you hear in hockey very much. Even if teams are fragile, nobody would ever admit it. But, you know, when you when you stack together what they've done, when their best night in the whole year was losing in a shootout to Colorado, when that's the zenith of your season, and you're throwing out words like fragile. That sounds like there's not a lot of fight there. And if team and if this is a team that's given up after 11 games, yeah, they could they could shatter some records. I mean, you'll have to dig deep to find them. That's how bad they could be. But I don't think ultimately that it's going to get to that point because there might be a fire sale coming at some point and they just bring in a bunch of guys from the Barracuda and just say, "Go around, skate around like you're drunk. What, what do we care?" We're rebuilding finally. Yeah, let, let me ask one positive question. You mentioned the word zenith. That brings up Joe Thornton, officially retires in the most Joe Thornton way possible. In your opinion, Ray, where does Joe Thornton fit in the pantheon of Bay Area athletes, any sport? First of all, given the fact that he made that announcement wearing only a hat, because I absolutely believe he had no clothes on. Below. <laughs> um. He would be first on my, no, he's, you know, he's never going to be as impactful as say Joe Montana or Willie Mays or Stephen Curry. 
But he is, to my mind, the most important shark because he was Doug Wilson's big get when he went out and, and stole him from Michael Connell and the Bruins. And he, on his own, gave that team an identity that Patrick Marlowe by himself had not been able to do yet. So I, I would say he's somewhere in the top 10. Um, you know, it's hard to, you know, given the fact that they've never won a cup and only been to one final, it's hard to say that he's as impactful as some of those players who, you know, won rings, but he's easily top 10. Um, he, he's that important. Well, he, like I said, he's the most important shark there is. And that that's acknowledging that Patrick Marlowe, you know, was basically a shark's lifer. My, Thornton was the guy who made them a serious team. Um, all right, last one for me, bringing it back to the abyss of the current state of the Sharks rather than the happy nostalgia of the Joe Thornton era. Uh, what we haven't really talked about is the tank of it all. The fact that this is a team obviously constructed to bring us into the next era of Sharks hockey by being as horrible as they can be to increase their draft lottery odds uh, as high as they can go in order to land what could be a really good player at the top of next summer's draft. I consider this Sharks team to be a perfect organism of failure. I don't see the goaltending ruining this tank. I don't see the talent at the forward spot ruining this tank. I'm not even sure if they have more than two defensemen on this team. Uh, I think they are perfectly constructed. To Mike Greer, I say congratulations, sir. You have done a hell of a job making a bad hockey team. What say you, Ray? I don't know that he meant to make it this bad, though. You don't think so? Well, it's bad. But when you're on pace to like to have your goal differential be in the mid 300s, you're not planning for that, mm. and you're not planning for a room of of players who have essentially given up one eighth into the season. Um, yeah, I think they're you know delighted that they're not very good, but given the nature of the draft lottery being the worst team God ever created doesn't get you a whole lot better odds than being, you know, the fifth worst team. So I think on the one hand, yeah, they're, they're in position to, to get a really good draft pick, which they would be anyway. Um, but if you're going to scare away your fan base along the way, what are you building for? So I think this has gone well worse than they thought. It's gone as well as they could have hoped and far more disastrously than they could have feared. Worst goal differential, by the way, minus 265 to end a season that was set by the expansion Washington Capitals in 74-75, mid 300s. Lovely Levon LeBray. Yes. Oh, yeah. uh, absolutely demolish that if they get into the mid 300s for the San Jose Sharks. Uh, Ray Rotto of Defector, uh, appreciate you jumping on to talk about the San Jose Sharks and the current state of that team. I like the quote that you started with, though. I guess that's a good way for Sharks fans to look at it. We don't own the team. We don't care. We're not losing sleep at night. We're just <laughs> we're just in we're just enjoying the the uh, futility like the rest of us. It's a good way to look at it. Good outlook. Yeah. Well, and in fairness, they're losing four nothing to the Flyers in tomorrow night's game. <laughs> <laughs> 
perfect prediction. Ray Rado joining us here. I really appreciate your time, man. Uh, from one guest to another, Major League Baseball pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles joining us now on The Drop, Cole Irvin, giant Red Wings fan. Very happy to be joined here on ESPN's The Drop by Cole Irvin, who's a pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles. As you can see from his hat, also a giant Detroit Red Wings fan. So <laughs> always great to have hockey fans here on the show. Cole, buddy, thanks for joining us. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Uh, man, it's, it's fun to be here on the show. It's been a while. Yeah, it had, the last time we talked, actually, we were playing Chell against kids online during the pandemic. Uh, I think you were at a lake house just chilling. Uh, we were just destroying those kids, though. Like they, <laughs> they, they remember those games. Yeah, yeah, they definitely remember, and and that's probably why uh, the opponents I face now just kind of just seem to quit after we score one goal, because uh, uh, I think we just struck so much fear into the other gamers. Yep. Your reputation <laughs> precedes you. Absolutely. Actually, let, why don't we start there? The, the, the new game, NHL 24, yeah. is vastly different, right? Like, it it is a complete revamp. Uh, what do you think of the new game? I absolutely love it. Um, I've been playing it just about every night with my brother um, and Vince Velasquez of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, and uh, we've had a lot of fun. Um, it, there's a lot of times where I, f I catch myself trying to hit too much because the hitting mechanics are just a lot of fun and really satisfying when you lay, lay good hits. But, uh, man, it's it's just such a fun game. There's a lot more kind of movement and stuff you can do uh, than in previous games. And um, I'm always saying one more. I'll tell you that. It's, it's, it's a blast. Yeah, I appreciated that from EA. Like, as as physicality and hitting has sort of left the actual NHL, EA is like, we're going to make hitting the coolest thing in the game now for this edition of the game. It was pretty smart. Yeah, it's a little bit of hip check simulator in some games, uh, but but it's definitely a, it's definitely a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's a blast. So, well, we wanted to ask you about your uh, your Red Wings fandom. I mean, how how do you go about becoming a Red Wings fan given your background? Yeah, so my first hockey game was I grew up in Southern California uh, in Anaheim Ducks country. And my first hockey game was Detroit Red Wings versus Anaheim Ducks. And it was my little league team that we all went to a game to. And everyone there was a Ducks fan. And I was like, I want to root for the other team. And not knowing anything would come of it, well, my childhood uh, elementary school uh, best friend, um, his he had family, I think, from Michigan or something like that, but they were diehard Red Wings fans. So anytime I was over at his house, they always had Red Wings games on. So slowly but surely, like this fandom just started kind of steamrolling. And, uh, you know, the, the first year I remember, the first game was like the 2002 season. So that would have been um chelios uh let's see he you loved basically that team. jumped on board for what's considered to be one of the greatest one of the best teams yeah, of like nine in the hall of famers oh my gosh yes <laughs> yes shanahan all those guys so i mean that was a great season but the one that like kind of really turned my fandom into like okay this is like something serious i i follow the red wings every year uh was probably the uh 05 06 team no particular reason other than I just really enjoyed watching Datsuk and 
Zetterberg and those were their younger years and it was a lot of fun and I remember seeing a couple more games that year and Chris Osgood became a, one of my favorite goalies uh, and and still is to this day but I was like young Jimmy Howard was uh, you know the backup tendy um, so you know it, it's I've I've become a fan and then uh, in, in 21 uh, when I was with Oakland uh, we, we went over to uh, Little Caesars Arena and got to check out some practice and uh, get behind the scenes tour. And man, I was a kid in the candy store that day. You've had your share of Stanley cups. You've seen your share of success as a Red Wings fan and you're kind of seeing it again now. Like what a great start, right? The eyes are playing in some ways ahead of schedule. Like how are you, how are you feeling about your team this season? Cole? I really like it. And, and, you know, I think last year there was quite a bit of hype with how physical we were playing um at the beginning of the year and then we kind of tapered off um but this year I feel like the offense has been incredible and we've we I think all last week we were down like two goals um and we went two and one last week being down two to nothing in all three games I think that's you can fact check me um (laughs) but it was uh it was just incredible you know just to see how this team is has kind of transformed themselves from last year being pretty physical early. Now we're being extremely offensive um, and maybe not offensive early in the games. They're more offensive late in games, uh, but it's a lot of fun. I'm having a blast um, just watching Debrinket and, and Larkin on the same line together. Oh my gosh. It is just, I, I knew how good he Debrinket was, but I had no idea what it would do to uh, Dylan Larkin's game. It's really kind of transcended that first line for us. Um, And one guy defensively that surprised me the most is Jake Wallman. Mm. He has been incredible for us. And I think an underrated talent on our defensive side this year. And it's been, it's just been so much fun to watch Red Wings games. Excellent gritty on the ice too when he scores. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, hey Cole, I understand there's one piece of Red Wings memorabilia that you were given that actually brought you to tears. Can you tell us about yeah. that? Yeah, and I got it sitting right next to me too. Um, so 21, we're touring Little Caesar Arena. We get to the gift shop and I'm like, okay, during COVID, they were selling I think it was 19 or 20. They were selling um, replica sweaters um, of Gordie Howe and with, you know, with the number nine and, and kind of a vintage sweater. And I was just like, Hey, by any chance you guys got one of those hanging around, you know, I want to, I want to buy one. Well, they come back with a number nine, just the number and they gave me the card to the vintage shop so i haven't got i haven't got the sweater yet i still haven't called i I probably should do that soon (laughs) um but they were like no just take it they just they didn't have me pay for it they just they just gave it to me and i was like in such shock that like they were so nice and 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 uh hospitable to i mean just hockey hockey legend and giving me a signed number, like it's so small, so subtle, like, you know, but it, it, to me, it meant everything. And and that's just, I mean, put a stamp in watching every game, every season. What did the inscription say? It says Gordie Howe, 
Mr. Hockey, and then his Hall of Fame class Dude, down at the bottom. That is dope. And, uh, <laughs> it's it's one of the coolest things I got. Literally, uh, Sean Manaya, uh, he he was like, "Dude, are you you about to cry?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah." Dude, you, it's Mr. Hockey, like Gordy Howe, like he's the best ever. He was like, he's like, dude, I love how much of a fan you are of this team. He, and like, they knew it going in, but I don't think they realized how like hardcore of a fan I was until like this happened. That dude, that's awesome. Like that's hockey hall of fame level stuff. And that's one of the reasons I'm happy that you're on the show is because I hope that as, as if the fan base doesn't know, like I hope that the Red Wings fan base understands that you know, there are athletes like yourself that like genuinely love this team, you know, like more of it, yes. like it's like a passion for you. And actually that brings me to my next question. I'm, I've always been curious about this. So you're a professional athlete, mm-hmm. you play for a team, you play in Baltimore, right? And you have this passion for another sports team in another league. Are there any unwritten rules when you are playing in a different city, right? And I guess geographically closest would be the Capitals, right? Right. Baltimore doesn't have an NHL team. But are there any unwritten rules for athletes like yourself as it pertains to showing your love for teams in another city when you are playing and representing a certain city? I think I think fans love that their their athletes do have fanship in in other teams. I think there there is a level of understanding. I think but from from being an athlete you know playing in philadelphia when i was in philadelphia like i i wanted to go to a handful of flyers games because of you know broad street bullies my brother actually is a flyers fan of all teams i don't know why probably (laughs) stemming back to nhl 94 um because because we would crush that game on sega genesis as kids baby yeah oh yeah people (laughs) oh yeah um so but you know was saying that I think from from being an being an athlete and and just being a part of cultures like I don't really have a football team so I have no problem cheering for you know the Baltimore Ravens right now um am I watching them closer than any other team yeah sure do I know a whole lot about them no not really because it's not really my sport but when it comes to hockey um it's for me it's it's Red Wings all the way and and I think there's other there's other guys that will actually probably grow into I'm sure there's guys in Pittsburgh that you know love going to Penn's games, you know. And and I think there's a handful of guys I know in Toronto that went to a couple of Leafs games. And you know, they fall in love with the game, they fall in love with going to those games, and then they become their team. Um so I think it's just different for everyone. Um and I kind of like to respect, you know, the the local communities, you know, teams. So you know, if I am playing in another city with a hockey, you know, background, I'm 100% Red Wings all the way. But there will be a little, like, respect towards that local team. Maybe not the Bruins, but <laughs> <laughs> except for one. <laughs> as as sort of an offshoot of that, Cole, I was always curious about like, is hockey a thing at all in Major League Baseball clubhouses? Like you mentioned playing chill online with somebody from Pittsburgh. I mean, do you do you kind of like? find each other as, as sort of a shared interest type thing uh, throughout the league or how, how does hockey fandom work when you're a major league baseball pitcher? I think uh, so whenever you go to Toronto, most teams do a hockey sweater uh, trip. So the flight, you know, involves you wearing a hockey sweater. 
Um, so there was quite a few uh, Preds fans uh, on the on this team. Um, and, and again, it's 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 kind of funny seeing seeing our guys in hockey sweaters because we're so we're so big. Um, and but yeah, I think that's just kind of hockey is kind of around locker rooms just because of the Canada trip. We know we're going to go up there. Um, but you know, NHL is pretty much the, you know, the game is, is pretty much the only thing that guys will come and play. I know FIFA is pretty big, but NHL seems to be, um, a, a game that I'm able to give, give to a couple guys to play a little bit. And, um, they, we enjoy playing with each other. Um, cause gaming kind of really gives us this sense of just like kind of relaxation from the day. Um, even though, you know, you sit up in your seat when the game's tight. Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, I think uh, NHL, you know, because they're complete opposite of seasons, right? When we're yeah. starting up, it's, you know, Stanley Cup finals. When it's, you know, when we're winding down, you know, it's just the beginning of the season for hockey season. So um, it's kind of like a perfect balance. When I'm in the off season, I get to just enjoy hockey and then, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, be able to, uh, you know, golf with some guys during their off season. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a bucket list of mine, play golf with some of the guys, uh, who, the who, who's in the foursome, who, who would be the ideal? Well, I, I, I need to play with Irisman. That's, <laughs> okay. I, I'm sorry. Like he's, he's one. Um, and then you could throw in anyone else and I'd be happy. Uh, yeah, I think what you mean is you're, you you want to lose to Iserman because I don't think yes. that man <laughs> will, yes. will take an L at anything he does. Yes, and, I, and I'll let him win as long as I get some good hockey stories on the backside <laughs> of it. So that's that I'll be happy about that. that that's got to happen at some point. We're putting it out in the universe. Uh, Cole Irvin and Steve Iserman on the links. That's got to happen at some point. <laughs> um, here's my last question for you. Yeah. The flip side of it, hockey fans uh, who love baseball, uh, have you had any experiences with NHL players coming to games? Are there any diehard baseball fans uh, among the NHL players? There was a couple of Sharks players last year, uh, or sorry, the year before that in 22 when I was with Oakland um, that came out. Um, but it's, you know, not playing, um, you know, it's kind of like I said, like the balance of seasons. Like yeah. they're not they're either back in their home countries or you know enjoying time with their families. Um, and so you know, there's not much many hockey players that I've seen kind of come out. Um, not to say that it doesn't happen, because um, I'm sure I think I think there was some teams that had you know hosted um, hockey teams for batting practice and stuff. I think I saw that a little bit at the end of our season. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I would love to figure out a way to combine hockey and baseball a little bit more um, because it's both sports. Uh, what I've realized is that the personalities of hockey players and baseball players are the exact same. Hmm. Really? They're in like terms of like locker room banter, locker room, just like uh, camaraderie it's very kind of similar in terms of like the mentalities, like and hanging out with each other because of how many games you play, how many, how much time you spend together, you know, whether for hockey players, you know, on the ice for, you know, in the morning, you know, skates and, and stuff like that versus us when we're at the field from noon till midnight, every single day, 
like we do a lot of things together and like the camaraderie and clubhouse and the banter and all that stuff is seems pretty similar to me in the conversation that I've had with, with guys. Yeah. Size of the roster, blue collar, salt of the earth guys, that whole thing. Yeah. yeah, I can yeah. See. And, and going to battle with each other, you know, yeah. because our, our games are, our respective games are, are drastically different. Don't get me wrong, but, but, you know, we talk about going to battle you know, in baseball, there's no difference in, in, in hockey. You're definitely going to battle in hockey yeah. every single night. Right. And both and goalies and pitchers are both superstitious weirdos. That too, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's very fair. I do some very <laughs> weird things on start day. Uh I try to be as I try to be as normal as possible, but I'm not normal at all. I'll tell you that. I got one pitcher question for you because I was I was a pitcher growing up before the radar gun caught up with me, but uh you know, um, the pitch clock, I think, in the opinion of a lot of people, has made baseball more watchable. And I was curious as a pitcher, have your thoughts evolved about the pitch clock? What did you think about it initially? What do you think about it after seeing it in practice? Yeah, uh, so it's, it's such a interesting thing because I, I love the traditional part of our game uh, and, and, you know, taking our time in the postseason to be able to catch that extra breath and make sure it's the right pitch in the moment. Um, but you can't deny that, you know, quicker games is going to help with our viewership. And um, I thought this, the beginning of the year was a little, little dicey uh, with, you know, guys learning, you know, how to change their routines to, to keep up with the pitch clock. Um, I know I got, I got docked a couple times, um, you know, I got called for a ball a couple times, uh, just because I wanted to take an extra breath. Like, it wasn't like I wasn't ready, but it was just like, man, I just need an extra second and I couldn't step off. There's some rules that I know that, um, the league's trying to work through, uh, to maybe kind of clean some areas up. Um, but man, it was, it's been a really good thing. We weren't standing on the field for four or five hours at times, which really helped in terms of, you know, team recovery and, and, and ball players. I know, I know a lot of us enjoyed the fact that, you know, we were in there for three hours at max and out of there and being able to rest and get ready for the next day. Um, so that was a big, big thing for us. Um, but yeah, the pitch clock was interesting when it when it definitely got introduced and it took a long time to uh, make those adjustments. Well, sometimes I wish I wish there was a pitch clock for coaches challenges in the NHL, man. <laughs> Be nice if we could have those speed up a little bit, you know. All right. They're on the clock. We got two minutes. Cole, you're awesome. Uh, really appreciate your time, man. Enjoy the offseason. Enjoy the time with the family. Uh, hope to see you at a game. Actually, if you do end up uh, going to a Red Wings game at some point, please let us know. Uh, I'm, so I'm trying to make that there. happen. My my wife uh, works uh, in media in Lansing, and so she used to cover a little bit of Detroit Red Wings. So she's a fan as well. So uh, it's it's been a it's been a fun household to have as a, two Red Wings fans. So it's it's nice. Love to hear cool. it, Cole. Thanks, man. You're the best. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Time now for puck headlines here on the drop. Uh, we start with a very serious topic, according to the Chicago Tribune. Uh, a former member of the Chicago Blackhawks Black Aces squad and teammate of Kyle Beach has alleged in a lawsuit that former video coach Brad Aldrich groomed, harassed, threatened, and assaulted him during the 2009-2010 season 
and that the Hawks suppressed this complaint to protect their Stanley Cup championship run. He is listed as Black Ace 1 in the Jenner and Block reports. Uh, Wish, what more do we know about this? Well, the 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 lawyers that are uh, filing the suit were doing a press conference as we are taping the show. So there might be more that we know about it after that press conference. But the Blackhawks released a statement to the Tribune saying we've changed as a result of what happened and implemented numerous positive improvements throughout our organization to ensure the safety and well-being of our players and employees. This includes completely rebuilding the leadership team with personnel who demonstrate our values and bring the right subject matter expertise to the critical areas of compliance and human resources. They're completely right. They have turned many new leaves. Uh, the people that are being named in this suit are no longer working with the organization. But that does not mean that there still can't be some comeuppance for the players that were harmed irreparably by this organization, uh, as the Jenner and Block report spelled out. So, um, again, I, I think we knew that this could be a possibility at some point that that more shoes would drop from that report. And now we see that this suit is bought forward against the Blackhawks and and we'll see where it goes. But again, I mean, it just goes to show you, Art, that like no matter how many good vibes this organization can can develop, whether it's, you know, Kyle Davidson is the GM, whether it's the team being competitive, whether it's Connor Bedard being the flagship player of this franchise going forward. Uh, there is a long tail back to the sins of the past for the Chicago Blackhawks. Absolutely. And it's also important to note that reporting like this is very important, uh, is 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 crucial. Uh, to uncovering these kinds of stories. So uh, shout out to those like Katie Strang and Rick Westhead who continue to try and uncover these kind of stories. If the playoffs started today, you see, <laughs> we're playing chess while all of you are playing checkers. You all do this near the end of the season. No, 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 no. Let's talk about the playoffs in November, in yeah. early November. So let's take a look at the NHL's playoff bracket if the playoffs started today. Shockingly, teams like the Ducks, the Wings, the Blues, they're in. They're competing in the postseason. They're playing April hockey, November hockey wish, okay? <laughs> Meanwhile, the Oilers, the Panthers, the Kraken, they're out. So as I look at this bracket, can I just tell you how much – Greg Wyshynski, I love what's happening in the Eastern Conference. Okay, can I just break down real quick Please what's do. happening with the Eastern Conference? Please do. First of all, you have the Bruins and the Leafs. You don't need to say anything more about that. It was 4-1. You have the history there for the Bruins and Leafs. The fact that they're in a playoff series, amazing. Yet again, here we go, new chapter. Wings and Lightning, the Iser Plan Bowl. Okay, give me that. I love that. Then you got Rangers and Islanders, just like Rangers and Devils last season, a geographical battle. That'll be heated. And then you got the Devils and Hurricanes, which is a rematch from last season. Give me all of that, man. Yeah. All right. Let's take it through it. Uh, Bruins leaves. Bruins win. Yeah. Okay. Red Wings lightning. Uh, the Derek Lalonde revenge series. Let's say the Red Wings advance past Tampa, even with a healthy Andre Vasilevsky. Upsets have to happen at some point. Bruins, Red Wings. Bruins advance. Yep. Bruins are in the conference final. Rangers and Islanders. The Battle going, of New York yeah, is a playoff I'm, series out of the Metro. I'm the going Devils Rangers. and Hurricanes are the other matchup. You like the Rangers against the Islanders. Do you like the Devils, assuming... Well, I mean, are we doing this for reals where Jack Hughes isn't healthy right now? 
<laughs> now he's he's back by this point. Oh, so he's the back Devils right are going Jack through. Hughes, we should mention week to week, according to the Devils, after that nasty crash of the boards in St. Louis. So Jack Hughes is back. You give me Jack Hughes. You give me Tyler Toffoli to finally score that one goal they needed against Carolina last year in the playoffs. Yep. Devils advance. Obviously, Devils Rangers. Devils in a sweep. Devils Bruins. Uh, Devils in a fun. sweep. Okay. <laughs> Just getting right in there. Okay, pal. Okay. Devils Bruins for the conference championship. Who you got? Oh, Bruins for sure. I, I right. have the Bruins and the Golden Knights in the final, but we'll go to the West here uh, in a second. I got the Bruins going through. Okay. Western Conference, by the way, there must be some clerical error. As you mentioned, Edmonton is not in this playoff bracket. I have uh-huh. it. So I'm not quite sure exactly. Your numbers might be off uh, or something here. They've got to be in the playoffs to win the cup. Of course. Uh, Golden Knights, St. Louis Blues. Uh, and then the the uh, Vancouver Canucks and the Los Angeles Kings are your Pacific Division matchups. Uh, Knights Blues, obviously Knights. They are the cream of the crop right now. Vancouver and the Kings. So the Kings, because the Oilers right now are somehow out of the playoff picture, do not have to play McDavid and Dreisaitl in the first round. Do you like Vancouver or, or Los Angeles Arda? I like the Canucks in this scenario, especially how they've started the season. I think Pedersen uh, carries them through the playoffs and Demko has a lights out performance. Man, I would I would definitely take the Kings in that series. But we'll go with your bracket. Wow. We'll go with we, we'll go with Vancouver to take on the Golden Knights. The winner of that series is the Golden Knights will win that series. Yes. All right. So it doesn't really matter who comes out of that Pacific Division battle. I think the Golden Knights would beat either team. Central Division. Right we've got the Dallas Stars, the Anaheim Ducks, the Miracle Ducks, the beautiful Ducks, the Ducks that have flown out of nowhere to be in the playoff bracket, and then the Colorado Avalanche and the Winnipeg Jets. Obviously, I think I take the Avs over the Jets. Do you take the Stars over the upstart Ducks? No, you know what? The way the Ducks started, the playoffs started today. I'm I'm taking the Ducks in seven by a goal. Insane. Let's by go with goal. the bracket, though. Ducks and Avalanche. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I, I, I think, take that. Yeah, the Avalanche take that because the Ducks are going to do the Kraken thing where they win one round, feel really good about themselves, and then, and then they lose in the second round. Avalanche and Knights for the Western Conference Championship. You have, Arda? I have the Golden Knights. All right. So Knights and Bruins. Yep. The battle of Bruce Cassidy in yep. the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. Is it a repeat for the Golden Knights or is it comeuppance for the Bruins? Win one for Patrice as he watches from the press box. Arda, who takes the cup? And Patrice Bergeron will be on the ice lifting the cup and no one will complain. So congrats me, me, to the look, Boston can I, Bruins. Can I, can I tell you something right now? Like right. I, we did the awards watch, which, by the way, um, is the other thing that people are yelling at us for doing too early. <laughs> it's uh-huh, doing an awards sure, watch in November. Sure. But I was doing the Selkie trophy. And I was saying to myself, okay, so Bergeron's not going to win the Selkie because he's retired. Could he, could he come back? Like, can you unfile your papers if the Bruins look this good? Can he get on the bike and start training? Could he come back for the playoffs if the Bruins are, like, this good? What What is, is the possible? rule? The rule is, like, a certain number of games, either in the playoffs or the regular season, to get your name on the cup, engraved uh-huh. on the cup, right? So, uh-huh. like, whatever that minimum is, let's just make sure Bergeron clears it so that he, he gets to be like a part i of don't i'm assuming you can come back from retirement i got i haven't checked the cba but if not like could we see a plucky well, young upstart defensive center named patrick bergevan who joins the bruins <laughs> for their playoff run bergevan no relation to mark just he just just happens to be around hey, hey guys i'm here friend? no sir i am patrick bergevan i just happen to be very good at face-offs <laughs> how do you do fellow kids how do you do fellow hockey player 
Um, also in this scenario, by the way, and, and, and for everyone complaining right now, it is not too early to do this. Okay. If the playoffs started today is something we're going to do all season long. And I absolutely love it. There is the possibility of the Hughes bowl as well. Yeah. There like is. imagine a Canucks devils final. Yeah. <laughs> Where all three Hughes brothers are playing and, for a Stanley cup. And then when the politicians make the bet, it's not only the team that wins gets the cup, the team also gets the other Hughes brother. Well, the, the, the Canucks would win Jack and 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 uh, and Luke. If the Devils win, the Triforce is United New Jersey. We get Quinn. That's the way it would work. Uh, let us know your Stanley Cup prediction uh, based on these brackets. That's all the time we got here for the drop. Thanks to Cole Irvin for joining us. Uh, thanks to San Jose Ray for joining us as well. Don't forget, every Tuesday, Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts and the NHL on ESPN YouTube. He's Wish. I'm Arda. We will see you on Thursday.